Hello, I'm Dave Brisky, and welcome to this episode of Brisky Business. Once again, I appreciate you uh, carving out time for me in your day. Uh, keep writing me these topics that you're interested in. It's hard for me to predict them, and you've been writing me at briskybusiness at entvusa.com with some compelling uh, questions and actually some really cool ideas. So uh, I appreciate the questions. Keep them coming. Uh, as you know, if you miss an episode, you can pick it back up on the NTV USA app and uh, all the episodes live there. The show, as always, is broken down into four segments, Brisk Business Basics, Brisk Buyer Bail, Brisk Bulls and Bears, which is a public market discussion, and then Brisk Best and Brightest. And some of the best shows have been having different guests on. And frankly, I've been able to reconnect with so many people in my life uh, from early stages to uh, just business associates, friends, uh, that I've been able to be fortunate enough to follow their careers and get them on the program. And uh, this man has a very, very interesting story. Uh, and certainly has had an impact on my life. Uh, this gentleman is a graduate from the esteemed TCU, Texas Christian University, graduated in 1991 with a major in marketing. And he has put that major to great use. He's a C-level executive with 20 years experience in sales, sales management, new business development, and innovation. And that innovation category really becoming important. Many of you interested in that. Um, and the more shows we seem to do on sales sales management, the more interest we seem to get. So we're going to keep trying to bring that your way. This gentleman has extraordinary skills uh, in forming a vision, strategy, and most importantly, execution of that strategy. Uh, he's focused on digital marketing and new business development, and he's taking many smaller business or startup business and helped grow them. He, uh, I met him, in fact, I hired him into Drew Pearson Marketing many, many, many years ago when we started to build that business as a startup, and he ultimately became my right-hand man and earned it every step of the way, uh, being VP of Sales and Marketing of Drew Pearson Marketing became CMO of Mainland Headwear, which was the public end of our uh, the business when we did that tri-party merger. So he had public market experience on an international level. He's a COO of H3 Sport Gear, and he's currently the managing director of wholly owned sub of Mainland Headwear, San Diego Hat Company. John Astelford, the managing director of San Diego Hat Company, welcome to Brisky Business. Dave, thanks for having me this morning, and thanks for the intro. Oh, man, it's great to see you. You're looking good, man. <laughs> Thank you. Take a deep breath, grab a cup of coffee, and, you know, we're going to kick back and talk it up a little bit. Hey, man, it's sure. been a while since we caught up, and I feel bad about that. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to catch up on your personal life. How's your beautiful wife, Ashley, doing? She's doing well. Um, she's still got her own business, Astleford Interiors. And, uh, you know, with COVID, some businesses have been affected positive, some negative. Her business has been really strong because people are cooped up in their house and are looking around and realizing maybe I need to upgrade my, my home or uh, spend a little money uh, on our house. So she's been very busy. Uh, and then we've got two daughters that you probably remember as little tiny ones are now in high school, one a senior and one a freshman. Ash, and that, that would be Annabelle and Ava, right? Annabelle and Ava, and uh, they were Annabelle. like little people. I remember. Oh my God, they're in high school. How crazy! They're in high school, and Annabelle's driving, and you know, getting ready for college, and they're both enjoying the California lifestyle and surfing, and 
And it was a, I'll give a plug to Ashley. I remember when she started her interior design business in Dallas, and I believe you're out in California now. And I understand she's kept it going in Dallas and in uh, and in California. So if, if you folks out there are looking for some interior design uh, help, she is awesome. She started it from the ground up, AsselfordInteriors.com. Check out Ashley's business there. She does great, great work. All right, man. So give her my best, please. Give a hug to the kids, and let's get started with Brisk Business Basics, okay? Will do. All right, man. So one of the things uh, we, you know, we were talking off mic was you felt like uh, there was certain business basic principles uh, that helped you make a difference in all of these different businesses you got involved with and startups uh, or growth strategies that you implemented. Uh, tell me about what those principles are. Well, I think that I've listened to some of your other episodes, Dave, and you talk about if you can't write it down, you can't do it. And I'm a big believer in, in writing stuff down. So whether it's your own personal goals or your team's goals or the vision for the company, I like for that to be in writing, whether it's the one-year plan or the three-year plan. And that can be done in collaboration with your teammates. But once you get it on paper, uh, then I think everybody can buy into it and the team knows where you're going. It doesn't mean you're going to follow that path forever, but you have something to work off of and then make adjustments if needed along the way. And then as you bring in new people to the company, you can provide them with something in writing as this is what we're doing. This is what we're trying to accomplish instead of maybe the rumor mill or them talking to certain people and everybody's got their own separate opinion of what the company's trying to do. Well, that's awesome, and you know I'm a, I'm a strong believer in that, obviously. Uh, but I do like how you broke it down for yourself, for your team, or for your business. And it definitely takes a, a, a discipline, if you will, to go ahead and set those things in writing. I think probably the, the big value, uh, and I'm sure you'll agree, is if they're in writing, um, then you can kind of uh, have the um, metrics to go ahead and track your success. Absolutely. And, and that's a big part of it. When I initially started doing these as a young manager, I left out the, the measurable results. And now, uh, a little bit later in my career, everything has to have some type of measurable uh, factor to it so you can measure and, and track your progress. That's awesome. So. I remember when I, I, I can go back to interviewing, we were building a team. This is many, many years ago. You were just, you were, uh, you were a kid, but you weren't really fresh out of TCU. You started your career, I believe, in retail. And uh, I, you eventually pivoted, obviously, into Drew Pearson. So you went from a retail um, level of experience. And the rest of your business has been actually marketing to retail. How valuable was the early career of yours and what you're doing? Very today? valuable. Very valuable, and, and I'm going to go even a little further back because um, I, I know you've got some younger viewers, but um, I always felt like I had an entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, the very first thing I did 40 years ago was start a neighborhood newspaper with my brother, and, and we did pretty good. before the, That was before the Internet, so we could write stories and copy them and sell them around the neighborhood, but we knew the internet would be coming 40 years later. So I decided to get into something else and we started making and selling skateboards. Um, and uh, that did okay. We were able to sell our friends some skateboards, but then we started getting returns from their parents. So uh, me and my brother were the manufacturing plant, so that didn't work so good. Uh, and then I got into something more consistent, which was starting a, a yard business. So I knew I would have business every week. 
Um, and then that, it, living in Texas, it was very hot and I got tired of the heat and decided to go work for a car wash because I knew people uh, always needed to get their car washed uh, and eventually uh, ended up delivering pizza because people like to eat um, and uh, people like pizza. And then when I got to college, I actually got to do some ballet and bartending and you know, people like to have a cocktail every once in a while. But the point there I'm trying to make was that, that you know, business is all about satisfying needs. And, and through these different life experiences early, I realized that you know, business is about satisfying needs and it's fun. Um, and, and that kind of got my entrepreneurial spirit started as a young person. When I graduated from TCU, my dream was to work for Nike. And I had applied to, to them and didn't get any response. And the job market was difficult. It was George Bush senior one. And I felt like I wanted to be uh, working for a manufacturer, but I couldn't get in. So I found a position with Champ Sporting Goods that had a management training program. And coming from TCU, which was a, an expensive school and college debt, it was a strange step because I was going to wearing a uniform and a name badge and working 65 hours a week and weekends and holidays. But as a young person at 21 years old, I got to manage a business. I got to manage people. I got to interact with consumers. I got to see how different brands marketed their products. And it was a great learning experience, a three-year uh, stint, and it really spearheaded me uh, and kept me in the industry that I'm in today. And I look back on those those times now because I'm in the wholesale business and we sell re retailers. So I have a much better understanding of, of their business and you know what they go through. You know, it's great when you can leverage your early days. I love your story, by the way, of I, di I didn't even know that. And I've known you a long, long time, and I never got to know about your uh, your early successes and failures. Uh, uh, it's, I'm really sorry your skateboard business crashed and burned, but uh, I've seen you try to swirl a screwdriver, so it's not really that big a shock to me. Uh, yeah. But, you know, good on you that you leverage those experience. And you're one of the few people, you, you see people pivot, but you've actually pivoted within the same business model, but I like the fact that you were in retail and then became wholesale. You've been on the wholesale side the rest of your life, but man, you were so good in that early year, you, and you sold yourself well why you deserve that position, because you understood retail, and I thought that was really powerful, uh, powerful stuff. So why don't you talk about the key metrics that drive business? You got one minute right now, and I told you these things would go by quick, but tell me what metrics you look at in evaluating your business? Uh, for our business, it's year-over-year -year growth. Um, it's new business generation, which could be new product categories and, you know, and, and how they're performing. Um, customer count is another big one for us because we sell a lot of independent retailers, so is that tracking up or down? Um, and margins, you know, how good are we at sourcing and selling our product? Can we uh, deliver product at a margin that allows us to be profitable? And, you know, I think people on this program think that, you know, there's prep time. What did I tell you? There would be no prep. The questions come live. The whole program is filmed live. And you hear this gentleman talk about he writes stuff down. He never could have answered that question on his key business metrics if he didn't write them down because he's measuring every day. He's tracking his progress. He knows this. His team knows this. They know how they measure their performance. And if that is not an incredible lesson for Brisk Business Basics, I don't know what is. So let's get 
get into the decision-making process, and I watched this, you develop this over the years, in your early years, you're uh, very, very methodical in your process. But I'd like to know, you know, uh, not only does everybody have a decision-making process, but I'd like to know about your decision-making process, and has it evolved over the years? Well, I think as a, a younger uh, business person and, and getting some responsibility and having some decision-making um, opportunities, I was a little bit nervous about them because I felt pressure that I had to make it my, that decision myself or I had to be the smartest person in the room and, you know, all the pressure was on me to make the right decision. Um, as I've matured throughout my career, I found now that I use a, a, a collaborative approach. So I'm going to talk to uh, multiple people within the organization, outside the organization. Um, we're going to do research um, to find out additional information and gather as many facts as we can and get as many opinions as we can before we make a decision. I don't have a problem making that final decision, but I feel much more comfortable if I've collaborated with my team that eventually is going to have to go back and execute whatever we do decide. You know, and I think that's really the big lesson there. If you can be collaborative in your decision-making process, when you finally go ahead and implement that process, you've got buy-in already from the team rather than it coming on high from management and, you know, their, their thoughts weren't uh, considered. So I'm sure you've, uh, you've thought that through now over the years. Absolutely. So... In the buy or bail decision, I've had a lot of really cool things. When I like buy or bail, it's like I, I assessed the situation and I bailed on the idea, right? Or I assessed the situation and I went with it, I bought it. So that's what the premise is. Have you ever had a scenario, um, it could go either direction, something you bailed on that you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that, or the reverse? Yeah, I've had numerous situations. And, uh, you know, I think one that comes to mind would be back at our Drew Pearson days, the business was transitioning. We were a sports business primarily, uh, licensed sports, and that business had started to uh, shrink or consolidate as far as the number of people that were in the business. And some opportunities were coming our way in other licenses and typically things that we wouldn't do. So more pop cult type licenses like beer or alcohol. And I passed on some of those opportunities because I felt like it didn't fit in our wheelhouse and wasn't what our core business was. But looking back, uh, I wish that I had taken on those opportunities or those licenses because we could have built a team around uh, executing those licenses or use some of our existing resources to learn that business. So it was opportunity loss that was put in front of me because I don't think I had a, I wasn't open enough to uh, getting outside of the core. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me, John. It really does. And you know what? Something I, uh, I think we can uh, be careful of, we have to be careful of, and this really the point you're making, is we hear and it's this struggle, I think, of balance between being totally focused and being so focused that you miss an opportunity to leverage the core competencies that exist in your business, right? So, yeah, I get it. It's like we're in sports. we got to stay in that lane. But ultimately, maybe that's too much focus and we miss out on market opportunities. San Diego Hat Company right now, I understand you have done an awful lot of line extensions. That was a headwear-only company, as I remember it, as a brand. How has it uh, changed? Yeah, so going back to the story that I just told you, when I came to San Diego Hat, that lesson that I learned was 
we were trying to grow San Diego hat and it was a headwear company and they'd never done anything else besides that. And it was privately owned for 20 years. And I felt like the owners that were there were doing a good job and I wasn't going to come in and be the, the, this genius that could automatically double their business by doing something different than they weren't already doing. But what I did believe is that we could grow some additional categories. So for instance, we do a marketing catalog and we have a, a lifestyle pictures of models and they're wearing our headwear. And a lot of times they'd be wearing sunglasses or a bag in the picture. Well, some of our customers started asking, is that your bag or can I get those sunglasses from you? Um, and so I went out to our rep force uh, and interviewed all of them and asked them, what else do you think you could sell? Um, and we gathered that information and came back and said, why don't we position San Diego Hat more of a, as a lifestyle brand, which is about sun protection and travel and being at the water. And, and what do you need when you are in those situations? You need a hat, uh, you need your sunglasses, you need a bag. And we started marketing those products and it's been a good success for us. So obviously you went through a buyer bail uh process on that and it sounds like you used that collaborative process and you guys bought the idea of line extending how's it working out for san diego hat on the line extension so far so good we're having growth year over year um you know but i, I don't want to make it sound easy because uh extensions are hard and not everyone worked you know the bags the sunglasses the scarves has worked um we didn't do so well we actually did some jewelry and that didn't do so well and and we're going to exit but the good thing about our strategy is we like to try things quickly and if it's working invest further in that and if it's not working exit quickly you know i i think that is such a great lesson because people miss that you know if the investment isn't monstrous you can go ahead and make a buy decision on something have your assessment have your metrics figured out and if it's becoming a great disappointment Dis disappointment, right? Focus on those things that are working and go ahead and pivot out of those things and look for other opportunities. It sounds like you guys are doing that at San Diego Hat very well. Correct. What, uh, so what is the uh, core items? I know it's headwear, but what are the other core items that you think are your retailers are now starting to, uh, to associate your brand with? Our biggest is our bags, uh, the totes and uh, crossbodies and clutches. That's been the biggest uh, line extension and it's done the best. Um, sunglasses would be second. Uh, and then our scarves, we do a lightweight and a heavyweight scarf has also been additional uh, incremental business for us. You know, the, the thing I, I think also can be really important on the line extensions is the importance you might have with the retailer. Has that had an impact at the retail community? Yeah, great point, Dave. So, you know, the boutique world, the independent retailer has been shrinking the number of stores over the past few years. And what we found is we've been able to maintain or grow our business in that channel because we're selling them additional products. So they, a lot of these uh, locations, they can sell only so many hats a year, but they, they want to, they have other things in their stores that they sell. And if we can provide those, it allows us to grow with the retailers.
Yeah, no, that's that's excellent, and uh, and it's cool to see you doing that. One of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on the show is we have a lot of those, you know, micro entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial businesses, and you've kind of done it in a big company way, but you always seem to find your way as the guy that's going to go in and take that smaller company and build it back up for the public company you actually work for. So it's very very powerful to have that experience, and you know, there's so many out there that has these dreams of starting their own business. So you've got a lot of cool things to say, I believe. You know, we got about. 30 seconds a minute left in this in this segment uh, the the thing I'd also like you to talk about is is uh, are you worried about the climate and retail uh, I, I'm you know I try not to worry about things that I can't control uh, I'm aware and and I'm concerned but for every negative there's always a positive and I think there's a lot of opportunity with direct-to-consumer and I think there's a lot of opportunity with the strong retailers that survive I agree with you, you know, and that's why your idea of line extending and those retailers are going to be eliminating vendors that aren't that important to them. So it's something we should always keep top of mind in this type of retail climate. So this is going to conclude this segment of Risk Buyer Bail. We're going to come back with John Astelford, Managing Director of San Diego Hat, uh, in a moment.